This is Watson Jordan. I lead the Resilience Initiative, where we research and promote resilience from around the globe and back to you. Our big idea, we can develop resilience. Our promise, we'll show you how with inspirational stories and straightforward ideas. Today, we're in Hong Kong at Baker and Bloom, where they cultivate creative literacy and confidence. Alethea Bleiberg leads a team of students through the school's resilience project. We're going to learn about who they interviewed about resilience and what they learned. Welcome to Hashtag Resilience, Michael. I'm glad you're here and I'm excited to hear about your interview and what you learned. But often it's fun to start with some different types of questions. So my first question is, what question do you want me to ask you? Um, You could ask me about how I started playing tennis. Um, Maybe, yeah. Okay. I'd love to learn about that. Michael, would you tell me about how you started playing tennis? So I started playing tennis when I was about three, uh, merely as a hobby and um, encouraged by my dad. And then I played until I was, I played for three years uh, until I was six. And then I stopped for a while and then started again when I was nine. And I've been playing until now, and I'm 13. Wow. Do you play singles or doubles? I play both. I enjoy singles more because, like, you can't blame others for what you've done. It's mm. You have all the responsibility. I understand that. Nice. That's a great question. So, next, what question do you want to ask me? Um, I want to ask you about how much resilience you think you needed to show when you started your podcast. Hmm. That's a very interesting type of question. I hadn't thought about resilience in terms of how much. So that could be an answer about volume or could include counting. Um, Let me answer it this way. It is easy to run out of resilience when we're alone, when we don't have any friends or anyone helping us. So it it was easy to do my podcast because I had lots of friends and I had a great coach. Her name is Regina Larco. She used to live in Hong Kong. She was a little bit famous, but she moved back to Vienna, Austria, where she grew up. So it didn't take much because I had a really great person on the team and she was very encouraging and helpful. And I had all the tools I needed to do it. And I was patient. So, you know, it's easy to get frustrated when I'm not patient and I have to rush, but when I can remember to be patient, it's easier to be successful. Well, thanks. That's a great question. 
Thank you. Nice. Uh, yeah, patience is like very important when you want to do something like a podcast. Yeah, I think I think most significant things take some patience because it often takes longer than I think it should take. Probably took you longer to develop the good skills you have in tennis than you thought it would. Yeah. But they're valuable because you have to work for them. Okay. Well, let's, I want to hear about your interviews. So would you tell me about the person you interviewed and why did you select them? Um, the person I interviewed was Ivan Ye, who was my father. Um, I chose to interview him because I knew that he played tennis uh, since he was a young boy and that he became, uh, through his um, tennis playing, he became number one in Hong Kong. So I played tennis myself and I know ch- how challenging it is to win a match, let alone becoming number one in Hong Kong. You would, yeah, he would certainly know about resilience if he taught himself and he competed at that high a level. Nice. Yes. Can you think of something that you learned about him that was inspiring? Something that I learned about them that was inspiring. Okay. So I was very inspired when he went to Vancouver to play a tennis match. Um, the conditions there were very harsh. It was very cold and the venue was very foreign to him Mm. and it was rainy. So he had to play a match over the course of two days. And it was also a very important match in the semifinals. So there was a lot of pressure. And although he lost the first set, there was something inside him that told him that he needed, he would come back and win in the next three sets. And he actually won. And I'm all, I am very inspired by that because um, I feel like you would need a lot of resilience to do something like that. And yeah, I'm very inspired by that. That is inspiring. Have you ever traveled to another country? Yes, I have. Yeah, so you know what it's like to go someplace new. Yeah. It can be very intimidating. That is that is uh, that is very inspiring. That's a good example. So I wanted to learn a little bit about what you learned when you were interviewing. So, can you identify a challenging part of the interview process? A and, challenging part of the interview. Yeah. Okay, I'd love to hear about that. Um. I found asking him about the challenges of his career very difficult for me. Mm. I think it was really difficult because I look up to him very much uh, when he plays tennis and that doing so required him to be very vulnerable in his answer, So, which is something that I don't encounter very often. So I think that that is why it was so hard. That would be challenging. But I imagine that y'all both know each other a little better now. Yes. Which is really nice. That's a nice that's a nice thing to happen. And I I bet he feels the same way. Yeah. Well, was there a part of the interview process that you thought was fun and exciting? Um 
I actually found asking him about how, like the journey he became, the journey he went through to become number one in Hong Kong, that was really exciting for me because I that is something that he is very proud of, and that uh, listening to him talking about something like that was just very exciting, and like the journey he went through to do that, it was really exciting to talk about that or learn about that. And it also gave me the belief that maybe I could do that one day. That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, lots of times that's when we do things that are a little bit challenging and a little bit fun, we find that that's where hope lives. You know, when we see somebody do something that we'd like to do, it gives us some hope, some belief that it's something we can do. Mm -hmm. Wow. What a great thing to learn. Well, those are the questions I had that I wanted to ask. So as we wrap up your part of our podcast, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Anything memorable about the podcast or learning about resilience that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, uh, I can't really think of anything right now, but maybe I would like to say that in sports such as tennis, important mm. to show resilience and uh, to never give up uh, because um, uh, so especially when I'm losing in tennis, mm. I see it as not a bad experience, but as a foothold to improving myself. And that is mainly what resilience is because it's even if you lose, you have to come back and um, improve and be better than before. Yeah. When you were talking about that, I thought of my, my father played tennis. And one of the things he used to tell us, and this was a little bit advice about tennis, but also a little bit advice about living a rich, full life. He said, you know, you have to play the next point. The last point is over. And your best chance on the next point is to put all your energy and enthusiasm into the next point. So play the next point. Well, thanks. Well, at the end, we just say goodbye, listeners. So if you would just say goodbye, listeners. Okay. Goodbye, listeners. So welcome to Hashtag Resilience. I'm glad you're here, and I'm excited to hear about your interview and and what you learned. So our first question, if you could tell me about the person you interviewed and why did you select them? I actually selected my father because I know he has been through a lot of hardships, Mm. and he actually I know he that uh, he he actually planned to go to university at the age of fifteen in China, but the Cultural Revolution actually upended that plan. His mm. parents decided that his opportunities would be greater in Hong Kong, and so a mere schoolboy, he undertook the journey alone and traveled to Hong Kong in nineteen eighteen four. How old was he? That seems to be very young. Yeah, he, he, he actually was 14 when he moved to Hong Kong. Good. How old are you now? 
14. So when he was your age, he'd come to Hong Kong by himself. Wow. That's remarkable. So I wanted to also know what's one thing, what one thing did you learn about your father that was inspiring? Oh, things that I learned from my dad that were inspiring were that he like originally because he came from a small village in like Hokkien and he didn't speak English or Cantonese. So he had to persevere and continuously study these languages like English or Cantonese and read a lot of books and watch TV. Wow, that would that would be difficult. And that is inspiring that he taught himself. To, he taught himself English and Cantonese by reading yeah. and watching television. Yeah, that's a good example. That's that is very inspiring. Well, would you identify a challenging part of the interview process? And why do you think that was intimidating? Uh, a challenge I actually faced in the interview process was that like when I was creating the interview questions, I actually struggled a bit myself. And it was actually quite intimidating because I, I never really like actually created interview questions before. And they were actually quite hard to come up with since I didn't know like that much about my dad's childhood, since he only gave me some details about it, but not the full story. That would be intimidating. Wow. Well, so likewise, what part of the interview process was fun and exciting? Uh, I actually enjoyed the talking part of the interview and it was like actually very fun and exciting to me because I learned a lot about my father and it was quite an interesting conversation and like I felt very excited to know about him more personally because there was a big contrast between him now and him back when he was 14. And I learned more about his background story and actually came to understand his struggles in more detail. It actually allowed me to understand my father better as a person and not just as my father. That is a lot to learn. That would be fun and exciting. And gosh, I, because that's a great thing about interviewing people is you get to learn about them. And you, you often get to learn things that you wouldn't unless you were asking questions, unless you were trying to learn things. So it doesn't often Interview questions don't often come up in a uh, a car ride together or when you're sharing a meal. I'm glad. So our last two questions are a little bit more fun. So what question do you want me to ask you? Uh, a question that I actually want you to ask me is that how did my dad influence me as a person? All right. So that's a wonderful question. So how did your dad influence you as a person? Uh, actually, my dad influenced me as a person because, like, I actually look up to him and admire him as a role model. Mm. He, like, motivates me and encourages me to do what I like and helps me to go through these different challenges in my life. And go and knowing his experience when he was 14, 
I actually found it very motivating and inspiring from my own journey since it's actually the same age that he is that I am now. Hmm. That's that's very flattering, I think, for your father. I'm glad y'all were able to connect and get to know each other. And it's nice when you realize that there are people in your life who really do want the best for you. That's a great thing. That's wonderful. So our last question, what question do you want to ask me? A question that I actually want you me to ask you is that, have you been in similar situations to my dad? Like, for instance, have you ever moved to a different country or felt lonely as a person and having no friends and family around you? Yes, although not in as extreme or inspirational way as your father. But I did have a real moment of incredible loneliness. And I felt a lot of uh, anxiety and tension. I'd traveled, I'd flown from the United States to Egypt. And I was all alone because I wanted to go to Egypt. You know, it was a planned trip and I got there and it was terrifying being that alone. And I felt like my heart was beating more than it needed to. So I instinctively got down and did push-ups, which I didn't know this. But when your heart is beating a lot, if you give it a reason to beat, like with exercise, it can actually help you calm down. So I calmed down a little and I said, well, I'm here in Egypt. I'm going to go to the pyramids. So I got myself together and I went and got into a cab and I said, take me to the pyramids. And once I got moving, I felt a lot better and I had a remarkable adventure. But at the very beginning, it was very frightening and I felt alone and I really kind of had a moment where I had to look within myself and go, you know, I'm just going to go to the pyramids. So thanks for asking. I hadn't thought about that in a long time. It's a great memory of, uh, of a really fantastic adventure. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And at the end, we say goodbye, listeners. So if you would just say goodbye, listeners, that'll, that'll wrap us up. Uh, goodbye, listeners. Welcome to Hashtag Resilience. I'm glad you're here and I'm excited to hear about your interview and what you learned. So our first, how are you today? Are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing okay today, but last night I was doing rugby practice, so I kind of injured myself, but I think I'm doing okay. That happens often on, on the rugby pitch. That's uh, part of the game, I think, is taking a beating. Well, good for you for getting out there and playing rugby. Well, first, if you would tell me about the person you interviewed, then why did you select them? So I selected my mother for this interview process because she's like the most she's the most resilient person I know. Mm. She she's been through many difficult experiences involving family and involving her work life. 
Um, as she as she works as a teacher at Moon KDC, and she also raises four children while also um, being divorced. So it it can be very challenging at times, but I find it very impressive that she can still power through. Sounds like a great candidate for an interview. So I think a good choice. So what's one thing, what one thing did you learn about them that was inspiring? I I, I used to not know about many of her bad experiences involving mm-hmm. the involving like involving family and work life because I thought I didn't really give it much thought previously. But when I was but when I interviewed her, I learned a lot more about her life and a lot more about her bad experiences involving work and family. So for example, during the first COVID wave, she um many of her coworkers and friends left, which left her in a bad situation as they they all left Hong Kong out of fear because it was very close to China. And my mom really couldn't do anything about it because she had a large family to take care of and her job was very demanding. This was um three years ago where she worked at an international school where they were where they were newly adjusting to online class. And since parents were very demanding in the and they wanted their wanted their children to continue learning. Most of the work was directed towards my mom, and she uh, she was very busy as she was making a lot of instructional videos for new teachers, and she was coordinating a lot of things. And it was all very it was very um, high pressure on her at this time. I think you're insightful. That was a a tremendously challenging time, specifically for parents and children. Wow. So during the process of interviewing, would you identify a challenging part? And why did you think that was intimidating? One of the more, one of the main uh, problems of the interview was that my siblings were, while doing the interview, my siblings themselves, they were very um, inconsiderate. For the interview so they were kind of loud and at times there were a lot of distractions so that led to like minor disruptions in the interview but overall it was not very it was not very constant since my mom kind of reprimanded them and put them in their in their beds because i did the interview late at night um but i also found that there was a very coordinated and organized aspect of interviews where questions should be mentally prepared, mentally and physically prepared, so that so that you're prepared to to ask a question and you're not going to leave any of any of them out. But since it involves a lot of coordination and organization, you might at some times maybe leave out a page where you have a list of very good questions to ask, but then you just in the end you just forget them, and then the whole interview process is kind of just tarnished. So one of the other things that are very important is that um, there are certain skills that interviewers need, such as keeping track of the conversation in real time. So you don't, so you don't have like multiple questions asked that all get the same answer. Mm. And that more deeper personal connection 
to your interviewee so that they are more relaxed and comfortable in answering some more personal questions. And so that you get a more, you get a more full answer so that you can learn more from it. Nice. Well, I, when you were talking about your siblings, I have to laugh a little because that won't be the last time that your siblings are perhaps a little bit irritating. I I have some siblings and on occasion they're a little bit irritating as well, even as a, as old as I am. Um, yeah. And some, it is a challenge in an interview to keep track of the conversation. And that's an astute observation that you, you do want questions to elicit, elicit different types of answers. So the same answer is not very interesting. Well, what part of the interview process did you think was fun and exciting? So I found that the fun, the fun part of the interview was just learning and getting more personal into my mom's life and her thoughts. So, and like, because it, it was a very fun and interesting experience because knowing more about the, knowing more about the person who has to take care of you the most and who houses you, it's just a more, it just, it's just more personally, you're just more ingrained and more connected with them. And then it just gives a better experience for both people when they're around each other. Yeah. A, a real great thing about interviewing is you get to know people better. And often it's in a very thoughtful way, which it sounds like that was your experience. Well, yeah. so what question do you want me to ask you? Mm, could you ask me about the skills that are needed for doing an interview? Yeah. So it, what having done an interview now, what skills do you think are needed to be a good interviewer? So one of the main parts, which I, I didn't experience itself, but I did give a lot of thought, is being is being emotionally prepared for maybe potentially shocking answer that could kind of upset you. So mm-hmm. these answers might like put you off guard and then they could slightly distract you. But if you have these skills of like emotional management, you could um, you won't be distracted from the main interview process. And so that your your questions will continue coming out and you'll still be getting like good answers from your interviewee. I've heard people call that ability the ability to be observational. To be a little detached and to just almost like you're watching the interview happen so that you're able to uh, respond and lead it better. But I, that's a real skill. Yeah, because often things happen that are unexpected and doing a good job with that makes a big difference. So our last question, what what do you want to ask me? Um, what did you learn when you were first starting the Resilience Initiative? As in like, what main skills did you develop while you were doing the podcasting aspect of it? Well, when I started the Resilience Initiative, uh, I thought, well, I need to learn a little bit about resilience. So I started to read and do a little research. And I'm sure that you've had this experience when you start to learn something. It's easy to think that you know a lot about it. But as soon as you actually start to learn something, you realize how very little you know and how so it was really wonderful to get to know other people who work in resilience who've worked in it longer and who have a different perspective 
So learning a lot about resilience, how different people think of it, how um, how that can happen. And, you know, and I got to follow my interests in because originally the podcast was an interview series. Yeah. But I decided that I liked the audio only format um, because as a learner, I'm a very strong audio learner. So I learn a lot by listening more than by other things. So that appealed to me. So it made it more fun. So did that answer your question? I may have rambled a bit. Is that? No, no, it's, it answered my question. It's oh, like... good. Well, thank you so much. And at the end, we say goodbye, listeners. So if you would just say goodbye, listeners. All right. Goodbye, listeners. Thank you for joining Hashtag Resilience. Please reach out to me with questions and subscribe so that we can fortify your resilience moving forward. Go to hashtagresilience.com, which is all one word, to learn more. Links and details from this episode are in the notes section. Spread the word.